GameZillaMedia.com. It's time for the last action podcast. Pop quiz, hot shot. Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need. The need for speed. Kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome to the last action podcast. I am LPJ, and I am joined by three wonderful people, all of whom I'd like to erase. <laughs> That's weird. It was like a compliment, but then like getting erased isn't a good thing. So. Yeah, yeah. I kind of never want to see where any of you go ever again. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well. Uh, Hovercraft Joe is here for now. <laughs> What's up? Good to see you as always, LPJ. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, the Tush is here also for now. What's up? Okay. And okay. and returning guest, Corndog, who is here for now. Well, thank you for having me back. And might I say, I think you're throwing Wonderful out a little too liberally here. <laughs> That's all right. You're all going to be erased. It doesn't matter. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I would like I would like to listen to you host the podcast yourself. I wonder how that would go. You don't want to look up all the numbers, the taglines. It would be really boring. Oh, I wouldn't. That's the thing. It would just be me talking for, I don't know, maybe five to ten minutes and then giving up. <laughs> I'd be like, all right, I'm good. <laughs> Like, yeah, I don't know. We really shot up. He had like 300 episodes real quick because they were all five minutes long. Yep. Um, well, I guess you could tell uh, cats out of the bag. You've already said it like 18 times. We are talking about Eraserhead. Eraserhead. <laughs> Eraserhead. Oh, David, David Lynch's Lynch. What's Eraserhead. Up? Quite the action film. <laughs> <laughs> we we are talking about Eraser, the uh, released June twenty first, nineteen ninety six, Arnold Schwarzenegger classic question mark. I feel like this is a movie we talked about covering for a long time. It's always been on my list. It's yep. kind of like one that I mean I don't know. I mean I know we're doing like underrated, you know, like but I I feel like maybe this is one in the Arnold catalog that's kind of forgotten, you know, well, like. This one's kind of considered his last sort of big hit good movie. And then after yeah. this, it tanks. You've got stuff like The Sixth Day and uh, what was the one after that? End of Days. I end want of, you to end go of to days. hell. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, he had Collateral. Collateral. Yeah. yeah. He, had, he had one. He had movies that were like, they were still hits. Like, I mean, Terminator 3 technically made money, but... This was the last movie where Arnold was the only thing that needed to be in it for you to go see it. Correct. You know? Like he's had like okay, so there's been the Expendables movies, stuff like that. But come on, his Expendables stuff are glorified cameos. In yeah, like right. you know, it's just cameo in the first one and then the other two. But yeah, this is the last one where it's like okay, it made money in theaters and it's like the last. Yeah, Arnold's in it. I'm going to see it. You yeah, know? but I, but I but I can kind of see. I mean, we'll get to it in a second here with the numbers, but it wasn't. I mean, a, a rousing success for how much money it costs. No, no uh, Vanessa Williams might say they did not save the best for last. <laughs> wow. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, but let's let's start as we always do, kind of talking about our, our history with this movie. Um, I will say, I, I remember seeing this, uh, not in theaters, I don't think, because I technically, you're shaking your head for yes or no. Yeah. We saw it in theaters? Yeah, we saw it at... Uh... We saw it at Wonderland Mall, and oh. um, 
It was it was like one of the last big like action movies you and I not last big action movies, but like <laughs> it was you know, it was a movie you and I went and saw together. Um I think maybe not for your birthday, but like kinda for your birthday. Yeah, what it was around was around me turning sweet sixteen, so Yeah. So we went and um, saw us in the theater at Wonderland. Um but yeah, I remember seeing it and, and seeing it a few times, but it, it definitely had been a long, 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 long time since I had watched it. And I, I remembered a decent amount, but there were some big chunks of this movie that I kind of completely forgot about. So it was kind of fun to revisit it. Uh, what about you, uh, Corndog? Well, for me, yeah, I, I remember this movie. And this one stands out because this would have been one of those movies, uh, you know, back, again, probably 97 by the time it was out on VHS. Um, would have been one of the movies like my parents and – you know, aunts and uncles, when they used to go out for a Saturday night, they'd rent four or five movies, buy us a pizza and say, take care of yourselves at, you know, nine, 10, we'd have our older cousin watching us. But this was one of those movies I remember watching like, oh, this is awesome. When I was like nine, like, oh, this is fun. Um, so this was definitely like a, a home watch for me back uh, in, in the late 90s. Have you? I mean, is this your first time watching it in, in quite a bit, would you say? Or? Uh, no, it's, it's actually on like... Uh, like AMC, I'll edit it up like a decent amount of time. Like this is one of those like mainstays on like a Sunday afternoon they'll have on at like 4 p.m. Yeah. So I catch it intermittently, like bits and pieces of it. But yeah, the t- first total rewatch in a while. So what about you, uh, Tush? And I definitely would have seen it in the theaters as well. It would have been either the Wonderland or Laurel Park. Kind of like the Wonderland is where you'd go if the Laurel Park was sold out, you know? They were both right. AMCs, but the Laurel Park was a little bit nicer, you know? <laughs> A little bit, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what about you, LBJ? What's your kind of background with this? Uh, I mean, the first time, I obviously don't remember, but you and I saw it in the theater, and I remember walking out of the theater. Whoa, 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 whoa! Let's be honest. You might not. You might remember me seeing it with you, and I didn't. That's always a possibility. That's fair, but I distinctly remember us going to see it, uh, walking from my parents' house to the mall to go and see it and then um talking about the the crappy one-liners like you know uh the whole luggage one and uh, he caught a train and all that stuff like i specifically remember you and i discussing the one-liners in this movie and how ridiculous they were um but other than that i don't know that i've seen this again like I don't remember ever watching it again. I might have caught a part here and there. I completely forgot about the whole railgun thing, um, <laughs> wow. and I completely forgot that um, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Robert Pastorelli, was even in this. Like, <laughs> I forgot. I, I guess I forgot that he had such a big role in this. Like I yeah. went at the beginning at the beginning of the movie. I'm like, oh yeah, this guy, and then I'm like, oh wait, he comes back, <laughs> and he's like highly featured in the main action sequence at the end of the movie. I I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. No, so I didn't remember. I remembered very little of this movie until I started watching it, and then I mm-hmm. remembered it. But yeah, it, a lot of stuff caught me off guard, guard at first. Uh, okay, let's let's talk a little bit about the numbers on this. So um, it has a budget of $100 million. It has a domestic gross of $101 million and a total box office worldwide of $242 million. So, I mean, it makes money, but not like it's not a resounding success, I guess, based on the investment in it, you know? No, $100 million is a lot, too, for... <clears throat> 
for this. Well, how, how much do you think they probably paid Arnold, though, at this point? I think at this point, Arnold was ma- Arnold was still making like $20 because he didn't make $30 million until he did Terminator 3. Oh, I bet you he got 20 Yeah, $20 million of it is probably Arnold's salary, because when was Batman and Robin? 97? Yeah. And he got $20 million for that, so I'm yeah. sure he well, probably Well, that was his close. going rate. That was the whole thing, is he was the highest paid actor in Hollywood at the time. He would only do a movie for $20 million, and then the only reason why he did... Terminator 3 was because they were going to give him $30 million. Right. Well, so uh, Rotten Tomatoes on this, and this may be a first for the podcast. The Rotten Tomatoes and the audience score are the exact same number for this movie. Ooh, wow, yeah, that is, I think it is Ooh. a first. And I don't think it's ever happened, and the number for both Rotten Tomatoes and audience score is 39%. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it like seems I thought, low for audience. I don't know. It really does. I thought that was a, I thought that was a little harsh for the audience score. To be honest with you, I think it's harsh I, for the critic score too. I mean, it has a man basically playing chicken with a plane. Yeah, there's <laughs> real. I can't, I can't wait to talk about that scene. That scene, <laughs> which that scene you know, blew. what's weird though is after seeing the Fast and Furious movie movies, like this stuff seems way less ridiculous. <laughs> oh, well, that's. <laughs> That's fair. That's true. Um, but I mean, you, I mean, if you're comparing anything to when they take like a Camaro into outer space or whatever they did in the most <laughs> recent Fast and Furious, it's going to seem plausible. So, um, okay, top grossing movies of 1996. The top three. Somehow we haven't call, covered any of them, but they're they're a doozy. Okay. Wow. Number one, Independence Day. Yep. Number two, Twister, and number three, the original Mission Impossible. Yeah. I don't know. So, Those are 96 is ripe for the taking for us. So this movie eraser came in number 14 in the box office. Other movies we have covered on the podcast from 1996 are number seven, the rock number 20 broken arrow number 51 rumble in the Bronx number 61 uh, from dust till dawn and number 63 escape from LA. Now I have a God. small, we don't, yeah, that we don't seems so weird. Like all of those movies, Compared to this movie, this does not seem like a movie from 1996. There were there were quite a few movies in 96 too that were of interest. I I, I always I always feel like I should note them when I'm going through the list yeah. and then forget. But um, I do have we don't do pop quizzes anymore. But I do have one for you. There was another this year. Arnold had another I don't know big movie, but he had another movie in let's say the basically top 20 for the year. Does anyone have a guess as to what it is? It came in 22nd in the domestic box office for the year. Anyone have any thoughts as to what this other Arnold movie could be? And he was he was in it, or he's the star of it, or he's the star. Jingle of all it. the way. Is it jingle all the way. There it is. Tush got Tush got it. Number twenty two is Jingle All the Way. So, um, yeah, quite a quite a year for Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, okay, let's talk about the cast of this. We've mentioned Arnold, obviously. Um, <laughs> I'm just laughing now. I I didn't realize this. I I pull up IMDb and it says Arnold Schwarzenegger as Eraser. Like that's not his name in the movie, right? He's not Eraser. He has a John name, Kruger. right? Yeah, it's John Kruger. <laughs> yeah. Well, IMDb just says he's Eraser, right? John John um, Kruger Mellencamp is that his? No? Um. Okay. So oh, Vanessa, that's terrible. That's okay. I'll <laughs> if, I'm, if, I'll edit that out. Uh, Vanessa Williams as Lee, James Kahn as DeGarren. Uh, you also got, we mentioned, uh, Robert Pastorelli as Johnny R.I.P. Robert Pastorelli. Uh, Dave told me today that he's passed away. Yes, he died. In very unfortunate circumstances. Oh, I don't um, remember what those were. Ooh, they're rough. 
One yeah, might well, say this movie taught him how to handle a gun. Oh, okay. Uh, We also have uh, James Coburn as this as Beller, I guess. Um, And uh, briefly, very briefly, James Cromwell as Donahue. And then somewhere in here is, uh, oh, John Slattery, who, like, I recognize. And I thought I saw his name in the credits and I was like, oh, John Slattery. And then he's barely in one scene. So um, I don't know. I'm sure the king of character actors, all three of you are my character actor, like, go to. So I'm sure somebody has someone else they want to mention in in Uh, this movie. I want to mention Uncle Ben's killer in this movie from the original uh, Tobey Maguire <laughs> Spider-Man. He's one of the guns for hire under James Caan. Yep. That's true. And then there's like the the, uh, the guy who's like always that bad guy in the movie. His name's Nick Chunland. Yep. He's like always like he's like oh he's that bad guy in that you know 90s movie or 80s movie. And uh, Sven Oli Thorson, aka <laughs> aka Lars. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, isn't uh, the leader of the sisters from Shawshank the guy at the zoo? <laughs> yes, yes, he is. Man, this is quite the character actor off. Like you're, you're kind of behind LBJ, which is a very shocking turn. But of I'm, okay, but I'm okay with that. Like you're I'm okay totally with okay with that. Okay, uh, you guys uh, ready for some net worth? Yep. Okay, uh, let's start with uh, James Cromwell. He's got that sweet, sweet L.A. Confidential money. I think he was in that. Right? Yes, he was in that. Okay. Uh, what do you think, Corn Dog? What do you think for James Cromwell? Isn't he dead? No, he's not dead. Not no, dead. Really? alive, no. eighty-two years old. I looked it up. Yeah, he was oh. just in something I watched too. I can't think of what it is now. Um, geez. Uh, I mean, he does have some of that babe money too, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, he plays. Like, I feel like he plays smaller parts in a lot of stuff. I'm gonna go with like fifteen million. I'm gonna go low end here. All right. What do you think, Tush? I'm going to go even lower, even though he does have that sweet, sweet babe pig in the city money. <laughs> I'm going to say he's worth like $5 million. All right. What about you, LPJ? He's got that sweet, sweet, ready, Joe? Star Trek First Contact money. <laughs> he, he is the inventor of the warp drive. Oh, God, stop. Only yep. Sphinx cares he's the inventor of the warp here. drive. Uh, they go back in time, and, they, and he turns out he's just kind of a hippie who, uh, who it doesn't matter. Uh, the point is, he's probably only got $5 million. All right. Well, that's that's what uh, Tush said. So you want to go with the same? He's guess? got six million dollars. Uh, he's got eight million dollars. Eight million dollars. So yeah, you guys were all kind of there. Okay. Next up, you got that. Uh, you got John Slattery. He's got that sweet, sweet Howard Stark and the MCU uh, money. What do you think, LPJ, for John Slattery? Uh, I'm gonna go three million. All right. What do you think, Tush? Uh, I don't know. He's got that sweet, sweet. Sometimes playing Howard Stark money. I so said that. I'm gonna that go. Was mine. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but do you say sometimes? Anyways, what's your guess? Okay. Uh, I'm gonna say he's worth uh, ten million. All right. What do you think, uh, Corn uh, I'm gonna play the in between here and go five. Uh, ten million on the button. Wow. Go, Good for him. Uh, all right. Uh, Corndog, what do you think for Vanessa Williams? She's Ooh. got that sweet, sweet, disgraced former Miss America money. What do you think oh. for Vanessa Williams? <laughs> wow. She did sing for a period of time, too, right? Save the best for, for last. For a it's long a good time. Song. Yeah. Uh, she sang a song for this movie. Yeah. I don't think we're going to play it, but she did a song oh, for I, I have a cute up. I didn't think oh, it up for the soundtrack. 
I think she was on TV for a while on something too. I'm gonna go with twelve million. All right, what do you think, Tush? I think she's got that sweet, sweet alimony from Rick Fox money. So wow. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go twenty million. <laughs> Okay, what do you think, uh, LBJ? First of all, you're far overestimating how much money Rick Fox made yeah. in the NBA. He <laughs> played for the Lakers. Come on, yeah. I know his movie career. He hasn't made a lot, but perhaps you're forgetting that he had a guest stint on One Tree Hill too. My, Come on. You know what? My apologies. She's rolling in that Rick Fox money. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Um, what, what, what were the other two guesses? I don't know what they said. You'd have to get them to repeat them. I was at twelve. I was at 20. 25 million. Boom, 25 million dollars on the button for Vanessa Williams. Okay. On the button day. LPJ. Yep. Uh James Khan, he's got that sweet sweet Las Vegas money. What do you think for James Khan? First of all, I didn't even realize James Khan was still alive. <laughs> He is. He he is eighty one years old. Yep. James Cromwell is eighty two. I would have thought there was a bigger difference between the two, but no, surprisingly not. Uh, he's got that. He's got that shot a million times in the Godfather money. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go. Yeah, but he's also got that Scott Con problem. Um, <laughs> but Scott Con's got that Hawaii Five O remake money. Oh, that's right. Oh man. Oh, this could be good for James Con. Uh, Jimmy Khan's got thirty million. Tush, I think he's got that sweet, sweet. That's my boy money, <laughs> and I'm gonna say thirty-five million because I believe right. he he had a period where he lost a lot in divorces and such. So anything to bring that movie up, huh? <laughs> All right, what do you think, Cordox? Well, I'm think? gonna split the difference here and go thirty-two. Uh, you guys are all slightly high. He only has $20 million. Only $20 million. Yeah, oh. only $20 million. Okay, and then finally, covered him a lot, Arnie Schwarzenegger. What do you think for Arnold, uh, Corndog? What do you, what's your guess for Arnold? Well, how much did he cough up in the whole nanny scandal? <laughs> <laughs> That's um, my God, he was... The biggest name. Uh, I feel like I'm going to be light with this, but I'm going to say 450. Okay. What do you think, Tush? Um, I'm going to go five. All right. LPJ. Million. I'm 500 million. 500 million. <laughs> LPJ, you have tried to guess Arnold's. I know, and I'm <laughs> never right. At least a dozen times, probably on the podcast. E- easily a dozen times. I've never been close. Um, I'm going to go 501 million dollars. You, you guys dick. Are, you guys are all a little high. He's at $400 million. Okay. So, I mean, still pretty good, right? Like, uh, yeah. You got to pay some money out for those nanny babies. <laughs> it's truly really true. Um, okay. So, uh, I hope maybe somebody else has something on this. The director of this is Chuck Russell. I don't know anything about Chuck Russell. Anybody know anything about Chuck Russell? Don't know anything about Chuck Russell. Nope. Uh, all I know is they didn't get along with the producer of this movie. I mean, he did. Night, he did. He did Nightmare on Elm Street three. <laughs> <laughs> did he? Yeah, he did. Oh, uh, he directed. Uh, I'm looking at it now. That's right. He directed The Mask. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the, the, and the, the Scorpion King. The, 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 that's that's right. I I had a or the hilarious Eric Stoltz one. 
no, no, I had no, 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 no. The Jim the Carrey, the, Jim the smoking Carrey. one. I had a brief conversation with Corndog about this because I remember being like, wow, this guy's resume is insane. He directed this, The Mask, and The Scorpion King. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. Uh, writers on this, uh, this is the part where I'm probably going to stumble through some names and uh, LPJ is not going to help me. So you have Tony Perrier, Wallen Green. And Michael Chernuchin? I feel like I did pretty good with those. I don't care. Okay, you don't care. Uh, <laughs> that's yeah. fair. And then finally, music by our dear, dear friend, Alan Silvestri, who I feel like craps out a score like this, like like literally goes to take a shit and he's like, hey, I got the score for Eraser. It's done. Yep. I, I really feel like... He puts out a, a, the quality of score equal to what he's paying. Like he's got it down to a science. Like if he's getting five million for a score, maybe he's putting on an eraser. If he's getting ten million for a score, maybe you're looking at like an Avengers level. You know, yeah. it really. I really feel like I, he can play with honest, that money real good. Be honest though, the amount of scores he does. Do you think he like sits there and he's got like a group of people and he's like, yeah, maybe it's like. Da, 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 and then, like go work on it. And then, like he has like a group of people that actually go. Oh, I'm and, sure. like, That's how Hans Zimmer does it. Yeah. Like I feel like every score in Hollywood is done by one of like five or six people. Yeah. Is James Horner still alive? Yeah. All right. Well, John Williams is. I feel like. Uh, I feel like the the you know the the um, composers like live forever. You know. <laughs> Are they Highlanders? Are all the movies? Yeah. Like, uh, like at one point, at one point, Danny Elfman's gonna have to take John Williams' head. <laughs> I'd like to see that movie, guys. Don't say any more. Let's keep this as a movie idea. I think it's gold. Uh, so, so, LBJ, you want to play the Vanessa Williams song? Question no, we, mark. Well, I, I mean, that's we don't know that we necessarily need to play, but we should mention that this movie produced a solid hit for Vanessa Williams called "Where Do We Go From Here," which is played at the end of the movie. And it was a big hit for her. Like, it's on all of her, like, best of albums and stuff. Huh. And you, but you don't want to play it. We don't have to. It's fine. All right. Just making Look, sure. We're you... 20 minutes into this thing. We have still to talk <laughs> taglines. There's a whole oh. whole thing. Well, well, good news is uh, Sphinx is not here, but I do have the tagline pulled up. And there is. That is good news. <laughs> Take that, Sphinx. <laughs> I'm sure you listen to episodes you're not on. <laughs> Well, to be fair, uh, we did last episode, we called out uh, LBJ's brother, and he might be on soon, so maybe he did listen. <laughs> maybe he didn't, though. Uh, okay, the only tagline for this one is, he will erase your past to protect your future. You know what? That's solid. That's not bad. Not bad. I mean, it yeah. is kind of it's kind of what the movie's about, <laughs> it right? It is. That's it. So, uh, okay, uh, anything that you guys want to mention at all before we uh, get into the plot? Um, I mean, we should we should mention that, like, the producer and the director hated each other. <laughs> and the only reason why the movie, like, successfully got made is because Schwarzenegger played the go-between for the two of them. <laughs> yeah, like, I yeah, I did see that they both got along with Arnold, so he would just, like, be the person to kind of relay messages and stuff yeah. between the two. But like kind of after the first week of shooting, they didn't speak to each other again for the rest of the shot. Rest of the shot. <laughs> Shoot. Shot? Shot. Rest of the, I'm drunk. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, you know that's not true. 
Yeah, I was going to say, out of all the people on this call, on this uh, episode right now, you are the least likely suspect. That's correct. Um, okay, so the movie, uh, and my first note literally says, does this movie really start with a suiting up montage of, like, Arnold, like, getting all his gear together? And did you guys see that, like, there's apparently, like, a mistake where <laughs> people say it's a mistake, but I'm sure they don't care. Is it, like, it ends with him, like burning the picture of uh, Vanessa Williams and they're like yeah but he didn't know he was protecting like this is before he even knew Vanessa Williams existed so like people think that he was gearing up to go save Robert Pastorelli but he burns a picture of Vanessa Williams so I don't yeah, know maybe maybe it's not necessarily supposed to be like perfect like continuity maybe yeah it's like I, I, fiction yeah that's what I, I... Yes, this movie is very much like Pulp Fiction in a number of ways, uh, Tush. That's a good call. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so these guys are uh, beating up Robert Pastorelli. They're pouring gasoline on his wife, I guess. Uh, things don't look good. I think they're like saying they're going to pull out his tongue or something. I don't know. Yeah, he, look- he's playing like a mob snitch uh, at this beginning point, and it's it's weird because this is a really like elaborate public hit for like mafioso to be committing <laughs> yeah well, like it, it really blows my mind if you're trying to silence somebody who's clearly in witness protection um you know the cops are going to be checking in on them maybe they have some kind of tracking device something to keep an eye on them and uh you're not going to go in and like set the house ablaze and they're not quiet about it well, okay, so well, Arnold, without if in witness protection, it won't be the cops checking in on them, and it will be the U.S. marshals. The U.S. marshals, so. but yes, jeez, yes. actually, uh, I know well, I'm going to so, get a phone call from my U.S. marshal friend, and he's going to be like, "Listen, it's don't give other people my Gibbons? job, huh?" <laughs> no, no, no. Raylan Givens. No, it's Tommy Lee Jones. From, it is. It's Tommy Lee Jones. He's <laughs> be, he calls me once in a while, and he's like, "I need you to check every outhouse, doghouse, henhouse." He sometimes he just says that. LPJ is going to be like, "Look, Tommy Lee Jones, I'm sorry that I." And he's going to be like, "I don't care." Uh, anyways, yeah. <laughs> and some, sometimes he calls me up and he goes, "The bat wants to play. We'll play." <laughs> well, that's a joke I, only I, you and I are going to get, Joe. He re- he references a scene from Batman Forever that was in the trailer and not in the movie. Yes, wow, that's what he does. That's a, that's a deep it's cut. Real, it's real weird with him and I. Well, the good news is we've got to do the first two notes of, like, three pages of notes I have written. I'm sorry. Please proceed. So Arnold shows up dressed like a ninja, question mark, slams a dude's head in the freezer, and shoots the other guys. Um, so well, he, remember, he also breaks the other guys that first guy. One of my notes is it's way too easy to break necks in this movie. He well, literally I, just puts his forearm <laughs> on the guy's neck and breaks his neck. Well, I feel like that's a trope of all like movies and TV shows that they make it seem like it's way easier to break someone's neck than it probably would be. You know what the funny thing yeah. is, though, like, this is like the easiest neck break. We, like, we don't like, have any. Oh. We don't have any practical knowledge to compare it to, so maybe it actually is that easy. You're telling me that MythBusters never built like a dummy out of something and see if they could break your neck with your hands or something? I don't know. Yeah, I've never seen the episode. But what, what I'm saying I, is, like, hey, you know, we don't know. Maybe it hey, is easy. Maybe it is that easy. Court- Corndog, what is that show called where they bust myths? No, he's not here. We can make fun of him. He doesn't listen. We can make fun um, This also leads to my, like, my other, another note I had, like, right from this scene is Arnold, like, he, like, you know, he basically comes in, he kills everyone, and then he stages a fake crime scene, right? 
Mm-hmm. I feel like those are two different jobs. Those are two different, <laughs> it, well, two no, different it, roles. It, 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 there's a the, guy who comes in and kills everyone, <laughs> and there's a guy, there's some nerd who does crime scenes. No, you are 100% right. This movie grossly overestimates the job of a U.S. Marshal. Arnold saves people, plants crime scenes, sets up new identities, takes it like, yeah. they make it seem like the U.S. Marshal does literally everything yeah. in Whitstack, and there's no way yeah. that's the case. Yeah. There's, there's a lot weird here when he gives her a credit card with a spending limit, and... <laughs> But it's not a license to shop. But like, and then the U.S. Marshals. I guess I don't know what their jurisdiction is, but it seems like James Caan, especially in this movie, is very liberal with like flashing <laughs> yeah. his badge and telling him do whatever the hell I say. Like, because that well, I feel like James Caan is also like, oh yeah, he's U.S. Marshal and CIA. It's like, no, 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 those are two very different agencies. You know. Well, and, and, and like, what that's... I think is one of the other crazy thing is, and we'll get into it later in the in the movie. James Caan seems to have a license to just call up as many people as he wants to go do whatever it is he wants without checking with the superiors. He's right. not and the top it, guy. That's true. He's right. not the and man he, in yeah, charge. He, see, he seems to be just a peer of Arnold in this movie. Like, yeah. they both work for James Coburn. So, like, why? Like, you're right. He does have, like, endless resources in this movie. Yeah, without any explanation. Like, he doesn't have to explain anything to anybody. He just goes and does it. Like, he gets on that private jet. And, you know, commandeers some guys and, and, and does all this stuff, like, around the world, it seems like, and doesn't tell James Coburn anything. So, yeah, but, so, like, again, getting back to my point, like, I feel like the guy who, like, stages the fake crime scene <laughs> is, like, some nerd, like, one of us, who's like, oh, no, no, the mise-en-scene's not right in this, you know, for this these pictures, you know? But you know what? But instead, it's like, no, no, for. Arnold just comes in and messes everything up and then does it. For $20 million, uh, they probably couldn't afford to bring anybody else in to, to take care of this for. Well, okay, we, we've spent so long on the opening two minutes of this movie. But I have, <laughs> I have one more thing I want to mention. It's like, presumably, like, Arnold found out about the, the hit on Robert Pastorelli, right? But, yes. like, he had time yeah. to go to the morgue and steal two bodies and then show up to save him? Like, because that's what they say is that he took bodies from the morgue so they could stage them to be, like, Robert Pastorelli and his wife and then <clears throat> burn down the house. Like, I'm confused about the timetable of this whole, like, event. Yeah. Um, yeah. So is the movie. So how did, <laughs> you know, how much time did Schwarzenegger know that these guys were going to... That well, they were he, playing this this hit. Yeah, he makes a mention to Robert Pastorelli, like, oh, you were spotted at a restaurant or something in your old neighborhood. And it's, okay, so they saw that and then followed him home. Like, how did you... Like, how, did Arnold, how did Arnold find out? I don't know. But, like, okay, so they're like, hey, we're going to give you new identity. Arnold, this is where literally my next note says, does Arnold have to do all this paperwork? all by himself, like, switching out dental records and stuff. Like, literally the next scene is him back at headquarters switching out the dental records for Robert Pastorelli. And it's like, like, to Tush's point, like, there's got to be another guy responsible for the dental records. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's Yes, they have specialists that probably do all this stuff. Okay, so... And does he, does he only have one case at a time? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, listen, I, this movie has revealed that we all know very little about how the U.S. Marshals and Witset works. So, 
And so do the filmmakers, I feel like. <laughs> oh, yep. That's true, too. Um, okay, so we're introduced to James Caan as his buddy. We're introduced to James Coburn as his boss. Uh, next thing we know, we're introduced to Vanessa Williams. She works at this arms company, question mark, or is it like a tech company? Yeah, I don't know exactly an arms what they company. Do. They're like um, a defense Yeah, company. they make rail guns. Why can't I think of what their name is? Cyrez. Cyrez. Did you read that they? it was originally <laughs> it was originally like a different name? And they like had this different name throughout the whole movie, and then they got like sued because it was the name of like a real company, so they had to go. Back it, no, it wasn't even it. the name of a real company. It was too close to being the name of a real company. Oh, well, yeah, and they had to go back in and change it like after everything had been done. But anyways, so Vanessa Williams is going to blow the whistle. She goes into the office. She's wearing like a camera and a mic. She goes into this area, copies some information uh, from a di- on a disc. She also makes a copy for herself. That's like a key. A little bit of information, but these guards come and grab her and they take her up to James Cromwell's office. And James Cromwell is like the head of the company. You're like, oh, man, James Cromwell, like he's going to be a big part of this movie. Right. Wrong. Because he finds out that Vanessa Williams has like is trying to rat him out and has a camera on him. And he then shoots himself in the head and he is not in the movie anymore. Yeah. He loses his mind and then loses his mind. (laughs) And reveals how windy of a day it is outside because everything <laughs> just goes, paper just go flying everywhere and that window gets shot. But seriously, I was like, oh, yeah, James Cromwell, like he's a known actor. He's probably you know, like he's going to be part of the No, like literally he's in this movie for less than five minutes, I feel like. Yeah, he was. But he wasn't quite as known. Like, I think he had just maybe done Babe at this point, but like it, he hadn't done LA Confidential. He had been working for a long time, but, you know, he wasn't as he wasn't as huge as he is now well i don't i mean i guess he's not like a huge name but he's a known name maybe you're right i don't know when yeah. he came out so i guess i can't i guess i can't judge um okay so she makes it out of the building the fbi grab her they this is where we get john slattery in his one scene where he's like one of the fbi guys and i guess she like didn't she didn't realize that they were gonna have her go into witsec and she's like not happy about it and she's like Hey, guess what? I'm not going into WITSEC. I'm just going home, right? Like that's kind of what happens. Yeah. <clears throat> and then we get a scene where like they're turning in the disc to like the FBI, like the evidence uh, evidence evidence locker. Yeah. But the guy there apparently is on the payroll of the bad guys, so he like switches out the computer disc and like so bad news, right? Um, Vanessa Williams goes home. Uh, she lives on a farm? Question mark. It seems to be kind of <laughs> like a farm. I don't know. Um, uh, the FBI agents are like watching uh, her house and like so they're there watching her. She goes in and her, this is where I'm confused. So it was like her ex boyfriend is there in the house, but he's like coming down like he had been there and like was taking a shower or something. Yeah, because he's like buttoning his shirt or something. So he like he came into the house to wait for her and was like, hey, you know what? I need to take a shower to freshen up. I guess. Yeah, that's what stalkers do. <laughs> like his, I think the implication is like, yeah, he's acting like he owns the place. You know? yeah, D- Dave's given us a real insight into how stalkers work. Interesting. That's uh, <laughs> what I do when I, when I break into your apartment, Joe. That's what I do. I take a shower. I mean, always take a nice poop first, but, you know. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> um, so uh, then we find out the FBI agents are dead. And then we're introduced to one of the key plot elements of this movie, the Railgun, the EM gun. What what are we gonna agree to? Call it's it? it's, a, it's rail a rail gun. gun. E- EM gun, 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 gun pulse. So yeah, and, and this gun. What are the capabilities of this gun? Well, like, well, 
<laughs> Somebody yeah. please help me out with it. I looked into this. I researched it a bit. First yeah. of all, this gun does not exist. Um, oh, oh, really? You're <laughs> telling me? At that tell- size. No, no, no. In any size. they As of as of October of 2021, the Navy officially stopped funding it and because they still, after, after 15 years, couldn't get it to work. Um, the yeah. smallest one they were able to make would fit on a battleship as like a main gun, but the battleship didn't have enough power to power it. So a, a, a nuclear-powered yeah. battleship did not have enough power <laughs> to power, power this gun to make it work the way it needs to. Uh, but the concept behind yeah. it is it's basically two... Uh, two rails, one on the top, one on the bottom, that have an electromagnetic charge that go through it, and it hyper-accelerates a piece of aluminum or some kind of object, non-explosive object, at a super, ha- super, super high velocity, and um, in the mass and the velocity make it a very deadly weapon. Um, but yeah, there's no handheld versions of this. And, then, and 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 I get that we have to suspend some disbelief. Right? I was going to say I have, well, I have some follow up yeah. questions. I'll I'll let I'll let Corndog go first. Well, I think he... say, that that to me is kind of this movie's legacy. Really, like we've talked about it being, um, you know, Arnold's last like good movie. But that gun, I, I you can't tell me that this wasn't like what spawned that next iteration of like the first person shooter video games. You know, when well, you talk about did. like Perfect Dark and like Halo, it started giving them thinking about these like more alien or whatever futuristic type guns. And that that's kind of, to me, this movie's legacy is this gun that can see through walls and shoot people from wherever. Well, this particular, this particular gun, this iteration of, of the EM gun it did actually um, show up in, I don't know if it was Half-Life or, or Quake or something, but there's a gun in the games that's based on this gun. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of the way it was one of the first, one of the first, like first person shooters outside of doom. Um, but uh, but my other issue with the gun itself is if it's shooting a projectile that fast and that hard, it's just going to go right through whatever it hits. It's not going to hit these people and send them flying backward like it does to every single person that it hits. They're not going to go flying backwards. Their chest is just going to explode to a big and, hole. And, and why, why can they see through walls with it? Like, why know. is that part of it? Yeah, and like, I think that was a separate thing. But see, I would say that the... The gun in this is essentially the same as robots in, like, 80s movies where they assumed the technology would advance way quicker than it did. <laughs> like, like Pauly's robot in Rocky IV, you know? When like I, I mean, essentially, like, I think the only thing that really ever came was electromagnetic propulsion is, like, roller coasters. Well, you know? I have one more thing. No, go ahead. You go first because it this might be the might same be thing for, as me. For, this might be for you, Tush. I think you're the resident weapons expert, but... Um, yeah. If this gun is theoretically as powerful as they show it to be and portray it, the recoil would have to break the user in half, right? <laughs> well, no, that's the thing because it's oh, not. Oh no, because the electromagnets would. You know. Right, it's not. There's no. Um, the, the reason why you have recoil in a gun is because it's an explosive, mm-hmm. and so you're getting so yeah. you're getting a directed charge back at you. In this, it's um, there's very little recoil because it's it, it's an electromagnet. Uh, accelerating the bullet forward, so there's no, there's really no kickback. Exactly. To it. Well, I, I have a question. It's like there's, there's no recoil on a crossbow because it's you know the same. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we all know, we all know that. Idea. We all know that there's no recoil on a crossbow. Come on. <laughs> Anyways, well, why like okay, so like 
and, and I don't know. Like, guys, I'm not a weapons expert. I don't know how guns work. I mean, I, I have an idea, but I don't really know. So why can they fire this gun and it can, like, go through a wall or a window and then hit someone and do the damage? Like, why doesn't it hit the window and do its electric, like electromagnetic pulse like blowing well, somebody no it's, like, it's not it's it's not the electric it's not the pulse that's doing it it's still it's still the projectile that's doing it okay the projectile it, is still it's like crossing through and hitting someone so think of it this way the fastest gun in the world can shoot a bullet at like it's something crazy like i don't know the exact number but it's like two meters per second not two but it's like two yeah, yeah. whatever it is per second right this can shoot the the lowest setting of this of an electromagnetic gun is twice that speed. Okay. So even at the lowest setting, it's still twice as fast as the fastest conventional uh, explosive-based weapon. Okay. All right. So, okay. We've talked about the gun. The gun's a big thing because... But then, like, what? What's that? Like, is that like some kind of funky like grenade thing they throw in there that shoots? I mean, like, I get it's the just idea like that- a modern take on the claymore. It's just like yeah. it's just supposed to be like a modern, like a cool futuristic version. Okay, because Arnold gets like just- Arnold gets like that screw bit like through his hand, yeah. like into the fridge door or whatever, and they end up getting yeah. out and they blow up Arnold's house, um, and then they. They go and they like burn all her like uh, ID cards and shit like that. Uh, and Arnold takes her. He has some. He takes her to like Chinatown to hide out with some one of his former witnesses. Question mark. I yeah. think is what yep. they said. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then, like, you kind of put the Vanessa William things on hold for a minute. So Arnold meets up with James Con, and James Con's like, "Hey, dude, someone is going around and they're killing all our." Uh, Witsec, like witnesses, all the people we put in the witness protection program. So we're going to go out with the CIA question mark and we're going to go like check in on all our witnesses and like make sure that they're okay. Okay. So they fly out to one of James Conn's witnesses. She lives out in the woods. There's bad guys there. Um, and um, they, so this is like, I was surprised when I saw this movie, it'd been a while since I've seen it. Like I knew James Conn was the bad guy. Right. But then like, it's like, Oh, well you're going to find out at the end. He's a bad guy. No false. You find out in this scene that he's a bad guy because like he finds where his witnesses and the bad guy's like, Hey, you're early. And then like James Conn like shoots the bad guy in the head, but then he like, does he shoot his witness or he like, mm-hmm. I don't, yeah. like yep. he, he shoots does shoot his witness. And then he tries to suck the breath out of her body. <laughs> Yeah, he was real creepy. Yeah, it was super creepy. Like, I would think one of the because he's trying to look like he's giving her mouth to mouth. I think one of the other agents would say, "Hey, you're doing it wrong. You're not supposed to lie on top of her when you're doing that." Uh, yeah, and 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 Joe, that's an interesting point you make too because that was one of the things I forgot about this movie. You see James Caan in the beginning of this movie for like two minutes of screen time, and then the next time you see him, it's like ah, he's the villain. Yeah, like, there's like no development yeah. to him at all. Also. Was this lady also connected to that same case that Vanessa Williams on, or is he just killing all the witnesses? You know, I, I think it's just to draw her out. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a very it's a very complicated plan because remember they plant the picture of Vanilla Vanilla <laughs> Vanessa Williams on one of the guys he kills, and they're like, "Oh, look, where is she at?" Because so it's a very elaborate plan. Well, for them to tell, for Arnold to tell them where Vanessa Williams is. Right, because Arnold 
keeps refusing to tell them anything. He he, he is big he works thing is, alone. He, he works, works alone. alone. He doesn't he doesn't even give information to James Kahn. He only gives the information to James Coburn, and even the information he gives James Coburn is redacted in, in some fashion. Like Schwarzenegger yeah. is really the only one who knows where his witnesses are, and right. um and so James Kahn had to come up with this elaborate plot to get him to reveal where she is and to right. not only that allow James Kahn and his group to go with him. Right. And, but Arnold kind of knows that something's up. So he's like, Oh yeah, she's in Atlanta. Right. Like, but she's not. So then like James Kahn <laughs> drugs Arnold on the plane with some water and like he finds out that he's being drugged and he sends like a text to Vanessa Williams. Cause their meeting spot is the zoo yeah. <laughs> in central park. Uh, then James Kahn, there's like a young, like, wet behind the ears agent james con kills this agent with arnold's gun in order to frame him which it kind of seems like a spur of the moment thing but then like him being framed is a big part of the plot going forward so uh i don't know he had the foresight to do it like that so uh they fight on the plane arnold destroys one of the engines <laughs> he jumps out of the plane <laughs> To, to try and catch up to the parachute that fell out. He was going to put on the parachute. He lost, The parachute fell. He <laughs> he dives out of the plane to catch up to the parachute, right? I'm sorry. Yeah, no, there's a lot. It, there's a lot there. He, he, he catches the parachute, right? Right. And he he puts it on. Everything's good. James Conn goes, <laughs> goes up to the cockpit wow. of this very large plane, right? Puts a yes. gun to the pilot's head and says, hey, turn around and get him. So this guy does like a hairpin turn with this giant with, uh, plane. partially disabled plane. Yeah. Right. And somehow like catches back up to where Arnold is and like takes out his parachute in the process. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, this yeah. is that's you're you're accurate. That's correct. And it's ridiculous because. Look, ridiculously I, awesome. You got you got a plane that has one engine out. You're not hitting anything. You're lucky if you're landing on a on a tarmac correctly. Like <laughs> it's just not going to work that way. Right, and the way that they turn the around is like at the plane, it's awesome. Like listen, I don't yeah, that's right. <laughs> I forgot. He shoots out the windshield of the plane yeah. when they're turning back around to get him. Like what's he going to do? Like, even if the even if he hits even if he hits the pilot and kills him, the plane's still coming at him. It's not suddenly going to get out of the way, right? And listen, I'm not a I'm not a pilot. I don't know how I don't know a lot about planes, but I don't. Wait, think you're not? Are. No, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I uh, agreed to do this podcast. I figured, oh, Joe's a pilot. He'll know what to talk about in this scene. But like, I assume that a plane. No, that's that big that's is when we do Sully. <laughs> I, yeah, oh, okay. Spoiler <laughs> alert: We're doing Sully next week, and Sully's going to be on the podcast. Yep, <laughs> it's true. Um, but like, I he's would, not that hard to get anymore. <laughs> I would assume that a plane like that is not that maneuverable, right? No, no. <laughs> it's a huge plane. No, <laughs> even right, small well. planes are not that maneuverable. Not like that. No, and especially right, well. that quickly, they no. do it about face and like. 50 yeah, feet. you cannot. You can't Tokyo drift a seven forty seven. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> so um, he ends up. He ends up falling. He's able to pull the reserve seemingly like right before he hits the ground. He lands on a car, but he's fine. Like he just kind of like, hey, I'm good. Um, and then he, uh, what's he trade those kids? Like, what's he give them in order to get them uh, a used parachute and yeah, $50? Used, yeah, and then they hustle him for 50 bucks and they yeah. let him steal their dad's truck. Yeah. 
So he uh, he takes the car. Uh, Vanessa Williams is at the zoo. Uh, this guy comes up to her and it's like, hey, I, I'm with the U.S. Marshals. I work with Arnold. We're buds. But she's like, I remember that Arnold said She's like, hey, I'm pretty sure you did bad things with Tim Robbins. I, wanna, so I don't trust I wanna, you. Put a bookmark there for one second, Joe, because the way they find her is absurd too they say <laughs> we traced all these pages in new york city in the last 15 minutes and we found these cab drivers that said they picked up a single woman I'm like no you didn't <laughs> like I don't yeah know. No, that's, that's very true i guess yeah i kind of skimmed over that that is kind of ridiculous the the way that they pinpoint where she is um Okay, yeah, so I don't so, think a cab driver gets right on the radio and says, hey, I picked up a single woman. No, you know, that would be like a mind, if you, you know, got into a car. Yeah, the fact that pagers were really prevalent at that point in the 90s, and we traced these three. We know oh, exactly where she was at in the biggest city in the country. Uh, LB, LBJ, and let me it. say to all the female no, listeners. Don't start that. <laughs> okay, we're what, you that. did? All you did have a pager, right? I did. I did. For, for six months, I had a pager, and then I got a cell phone. <laughs> all right, just check it. So um, just to, just to all the female listeners, if you ever get into a cab and someone like types or says something like, "Hey, single female just got in," get out. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Um, okay, so um, this is where, like, kind of to cor- uh, uh, Corn Dog's point, James Cotton shows up at the zoo and he's like, "Everybody out of here! <laughs> Shut the place down! I'm with the U.S. Marshals," and it's like. I, again, what kind of power did the U.S. Marshals have? Because he, like, takes over the crime scene, shuts down the entire zoo, and, like, can you do that if you're a U.S. Marshal? I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, it, doesn't seem ask, like, it doesn't really seem like they're even paying attention to the people leaving either. <laughs> like, that's true people are just running by him. It could have been Vanessa Williams at any point. It's true. Well I, well, I also thought it's funny that, like, James Conn is like, hey, we need her alive. And then, like, everyone's just, like, shooting at her, like, willy-nilly, yeah. like... Why do they need her alive? They killed the reporter that she was supposed to contact, right? Well, no, because confusing to me too. No, no, I I think I actually have an answer to this because remember she tries to read the disc that she copied, and they can tell that she tried to get into it, so they know that she has a copy of the disc, and they need to know where that copy is before they kill her. So I think that's why they need her alive. All right, no, thank you. Fair enough. So okay, then we get into a point that I completely forgot about. She goes into the reptile house. Yep. <laughs> Bad guys are there. Arnold shows up. He only has a couple bullets left. He shoots the glass and these crocodiles come out. I believe so, yes. And they're they're very mad, <laughs> these crocodiles. Like, I'm, As I'm they usually kid. are. And they end up killing a bunch of the bad guys. And one tries to kill Arnold and he... Does he shoot it? I can't he remember. It. Yeah, he shoots it. It's crazy that this is something that you didn't remember because it's the only thing I remembered. Yeah, this, this is a very memorable. Yeah, Arnold shoots a crocodile. You yeah, know? And, th- and then he tells it that it's luggage. Yeah, <laughs> the, these crocodiles. The these. these crocodiles are super aggressive. Like, yeah, like they are like really I, aggressive crocodiles. Yeah, like I get it. Like you don't want to be around a crocodile, but they're like I don't know that they would come out and immediately start killing every person around. Right? Yeah, they're, they're all of a sudden like, hey, I was like just chilling in my tank, and now I'm getting throw it onto the floor, and it's like, yeah, you know. And they also, like, let's be honest, they don't look that real either. Yeah, it's how's the great. CG on those? It's, it's, not, it's not great CGI for these. It's the best you could get in 1996. That's fair. 
they're like, listen, we already paid Arnold like twenty million dollars. The budget is, we're, we're running out of money. Just do what you can. We, so, we checked with our humane society guy. They won't <laughs> let Arnold shoot a real crocodile. So, um, so they get free. Uh, they go to this church where like the priest is another former witness of Arnold. He talks to James, James Coburn. He's like, hey, listen, I'm not guilty. And James Coburn is like, yeah, I kind of believe you, but you're gonna have to produce some proof if I'm gonna like clear you right like so the next thing is is that they're like hey we got to break into cyrez to read this disc to see what's going on so they go and get robert pastorelli to help them out um oh boy there's a lot to unpack with this yeah, and, and where do they find him joe robert pastorelli works at a he's undercover at a, a gay bar the scene's not great let's be honest it doesn't hold up great but- like it has every gay stereotype imaginable packed into one bar. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's not great. Like, it's, it's not great. Let's nope. let's be honest. It's, it's not great. It doesn't portray. It's not you know like I I don't know if you get away with a scene like that in a movie today. You would not. It's not great. No. So, also, even though like they make the point of like oh a gay bar is a great place to hide, I don't think any like. I don't think a bartender in a big city is a good job for a witness who's trying to hide out. Well, that's true. Clearly, it's not that far away from like wherever he's like you know was supposed to you know originally from. Well, that's fair too. I didn't even think about it like that. Um, so they're like, we got to break into Cyrez. James Khan goes to Cyrez again. I guess this is because he's kind of crooked or whatever. But he again takes over like the whole operation of like Cyrez security, and he's like, I'm in charge. Well, because he's working with um, the Undersecretary of Defense, right, right, and uh, they were kind of in control of Cyrez. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. So Robert Pastorelli shows up as a pizza guy. He does a whole bit where he's like, "Hey, I was supposed to deliver this pizza," and they're like, "You can't deliver the pizza." And then he fakes having a seizure, and they're like, "Hey, take him to the infirmary." And James Conn, who is watching everything like a hawk, somehow <laughs> lets Arnold and Vanessa Williams sneak in disguised as paramedics like the giant huge arnold schwarzenegger like i I get it he had a hat on but still like wouldn't you think you'd notice him walking in the building why wouldn't they just take him to the hospital well yeah because because this building apparently has a full-on infirmary with like an actual like you know I have a better question. Okay, Robert Pastorelli, he's laying on a thing. He, like, unplugs one of the cables so it sounds like he's flatlined, right? The lady is like, oh, we got to paddle him. She gets the paddles ready. Robert Pastorelli is talking, and he's still <laughs> she's still paddling. You don't paddle someone who's conscious and talking to you. Like, why is she still, like, more charge and, like, hitting him again? It's so stupid. I mean, I think that's there to be and, funny. It's it's like, like, I mean... It's oh, just crazy. They, they, I mean, they had a full, like, their infirmary is a full-on surgical room, you know? <laughs> yeah. So they go to try and get the disc read. I like how the, like, and again, I'm not the weapons expert here, but the, the head of security for Cyrus, he, like, has that pistol with, like, that giant sight on it. Did you guys notice that? It's like Pistols yeah. with oh. giant sights are so useless. <laughs> yeah. So, and then, like, they go into the room where they think Arnold and Vanessa Williams is, and they're not there. And, like, again, like, James Conn is, like, he's, like, yelling. He, like, puts a gun to the one guy's head. <laughs> it's, like, what is going on? Why are you, like, he's so out of control in the scene. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, he's really he's really digging into his uh, 
his uh, inner Pacino on this one. So then I also had to laugh because then we cut there. They're, they're at a different terminal terminal terminal. Thank you. Yep. Uh, accessing the disc. And it's like, Arnold's a computer hacker question mark. Well, you know, <laughs> the U S marshals have to be able to do everything. You know that they've already established that in this movie. He's like breaking into files and stuff. Basically what they find out is that there's a delivery of a thousand of those, uh, rail guns and they're going to be delivered tonight. Um, also did, Oh yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, and and uh, you're getting to the point there, but when she acts surprised when she's like the EM gun, like they clearly show that at the beginning of the movie when she's like downloading the discs, like it shows you that same image. So she should not be that shocked. And she was right. shot at by them. I think she's <laughs> yeah. gonna know what they're for. What, yeah, what she they're saw, all about. She saw her stalker ex boyfriend get like destroyed by one in her house, and then she's surprised. Oh, like, there's still so much of this movie left. <laughs> no, no, no. We're we're getting there. We only I only have like a half a page of notes left. So, okay. Also, on their way out, is it just me or did Arnold seemingly murder a bunch of like security guards? Yes. With that grenade? Oh yeah. My questions here. Why do the security guards at this corporation carry grenades? <laughs> yeah. And like, they, right from the get go, all the security guards at this place seem like really sinister. Like, oh no. They're fully read in on we are an evil company. You well, know? I, they do like – there's a scene with James Conn in like the room where they're like, oh, there's like eight guys who are in on it who are on the payroll or whatever. So I guess you're supposed to think that like the guys that he blows up with their grenades are bad guys, but I don't know. Anyways, so throughout the course of their escape, James Conn gets his hands on Vanessa Williams. Hold on. Hold um, on. Let's roll that back for a second. Okay. <laughs> Schwarzenegger doesn't know that they're in on it. True. That's true. <laughs> He doesn't know. He's just seeing guys that blowing up with the grenades. He has no idea. What does that say about him? That's fair. He does seemingly just murder like a bunch of guards who just work at this place what? where he is trespassing. Yes. Yeah. Everyone knows U.S. Marshals are basically the American equivalent of double O's, and they have a license to kill. Apparently. <laughs> okay. So James Kahn gets Vanessa Williams. Uh, Arnold and uh, Robert Pastorelli, they're like, hey, they know that they're going to Baltimore. They're, go they're going to like the Maryland docks or whatever. So they are like, <laughs> Robert Pastorelli's like, oh yeah, hey, my cousin works at the docks. No, his cousin runs the docks. Oh, it's sorry, the right? mobster that's yeah. like squeezing the unions there. So they go, they go to <laughs> they go to Baltimore and they meet up with his cousin and they're like, Maybe you guys can help me out because my note doesn't elaborate, but there's one point where Arnold does like three flips in the air. Do you guys catch that? Where he's yeah, like, Yeah, that was so weird. He's yeah. like jumping down from something at the docks and he literally is like flipping. And it's like, You are not doing flips in the air, Arnold Schwarzenegger. You are a massive individual. Um, okay, so they, they pinpoint that Arnold's at the docks. He's in like some big warehouse and there's like three guys with those rail guns and they're all just like, blowing the shit out of the place. No one hits him, right? But he survives. Um, they go in to get him. They send guys in with normal guns and one pulse gun to get him. Uh, he's got that big piece of shrapnel in his leg, which is really gross that he pulls out. Um, and then, like, he gets under the floorboards <laughs> and he, like, crawls under to where the guys are and he shoots them through the floorboards. Um, and then he gets his hands on two of those real guns <laughs> and he just starts leveling shit with the rail guns, oh, right? Yeah. He manages, manages lo loses sleeves, too. <laughs> he does lose yeah, well, they, probably... they, they got caught in the mechanism. 
it's probably one of the coolest parts <laughs> of the movies when he just walks out of that warehouse with two of those guns and it's just like just like destroying stuff we should also mention that there's a weird subplot where they're selling these guns to like the uh, like a russian arms dealer question mark yeah and like they're giving him vanessa williams as like payment and he's really creepy about it and it's like uh, i don't yeah i don't know why this whole scene is in the movie at all um and then like i would say there's a lot of we've talked about a lot of unbelievable stuff in this movie i would say the biggest unbelievable part is that james Conn and arnold have a physical confrontation and james Conn holds his own for a little bit well so i will say this oh, oh, boy. james oh, Conn in real life kind, kind of a badass yeah. james Conn, michigan state football player um he he like did the extensive like karate and judo and all that stuff. He's he's kind of a badass in real life. Okay, nice so. stop you there. Arnold was Mr. Universe. <laughs> yeah. D- he, he's Dave. also like yeah, but okay, but as far as actual fighting, I'd say uh James Conn might be tougher than Arnold. Okay, 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 Let's let's just throw this out. It's all about glamour muscles in Mr. Universe. All right. Well, okay. People, people listening to this, fans on the Discord, let us know in the comments. Arnold versus James Con, who's winning that fight? Just let us know what you think. Just throw it out there. I mean, maybe uh, watch Rollerball, and then you'll think like, no, wait a minute. No, you know? can we move on, please? No more. Okay, no more so, of this. No more of this okay. blasphemy. So they're they're fighting on top of a, a shipping container full of the guns that they're trying to get onto the boat. Um, Arnold, I, I guess he shoots the chain, and the whole. Crate falls. No, he hits it with a, like a he hits it with like a crowbar. Or something. Okay, yeah, and then like like somehow. Well, and also remember, just, just not to not to go back to my point. Remember, Arnold is pretty badly wounded at this point, so that's also Dave, kind Dave, of why he's James not beating James Con. Right. <laughs> so, anyways, they they both somehow survive this fall. Arnold's fine. Uh, James Con is kind of pinned under some stuff, and like I like the fact that J- James Con is such a dirtbag in this movie that he's still like uh, Arnold goes to try and like lift this giant piece of metal off him and then James Conn is still like gonna shoot him at this point like what does James Conn have to gain like clearly his scheme is gone awry but he's still gonna shoot Arnold at this point and then then you get a scene where James Coburn shows up and you like uh oh you think he's there to arrest Arnold but it's like a bait and switch and he's really there and they they get James Conn right and you're like Okay, this movie's over. Wrong. So then we cut to a courthouse, and James Kahn and the Undersecretary of Defense are coming out. They've just been, just been like accused of treason, right? And James Kahn is still shooting his mouth off. Like I'm like, literally, you got busted and arrested, and you're going to be tried for treason. And he's still like, he still sucks, right? So, and I'm like, man, yeah. this is weird. So they make it look like. Vanessa Williams and Arnold, they get in a van and they, it blows up and you think they're dead, right? So they're <laughs> this ending. So they're driving in a limo, him and the undersecretary of defense, right? And they're like, oh, yeah, whatever. They're dead. We're good. And they're like, that was a great thing that you did. And like James Conn's like, what are you talking about? I thought you planned it. And they're like, I didn't plan it. Limo stops on train tracks. Driver gets out. Driver's Robert Pastorelli, right? <laughs> the phone rings. <laughs> The phone rings, they pick it up. It's for James Conn. Arnold's there. He's standing, like, off to the side. They see him. He's like, you've just been erased. A train comes by at that exact moment, takes out the whole limo. Uh, they're dead, and that's the end. Oh, and then he goes... Okay, and so expect- a couple problems with that. 
Well, I just want to say that. So probably. I just want to say that ends with him catching up with Vanessa Williams, and she's like, "What happened?" And he's like, "He caught a train." Yeah. So, but anyways, the, with the the litany of murders James Conn committed, he's not gonna be out on bail like <laughs> just like hearing and such. You know, it's like he committed treason and like thirty murders. It's like no, he's not gonna be like, oh yeah, you just go and hang out. Like we're gonna like we're gonna grant you bail. You know, it's like that's crazy. And also, like. It's not exactly, like, blowing up a car with a witness in front of a courthouse is not, like, a neat ending, you know, it's like, it's like that's not gonna, like, they're gonna be like, wait, it's just, it's crazy, and then yeah. also, like, oh, yeah. They're gonna investigate. <laughs> well, I also, yeah. like, I also, like, it's, like, um, <laughs> it's, like, I don't understand why, like, did they, they're, like, we have to murder James Conn because we think he, he's gonna get away with this. Like, yeah, they mentioned because there's that third guy I think who's like the new acting boss of Cyrus. They're like, if that guy takes the fall, these other two might walk. Um, but the thing that's always bothered me about that ending scene is just the positioning of that van outside the courtroom. It's like in the middle of a city square, like <laughs> it's true. The, it's yeah. not like parked anywhere. It's just like in the middle of the open. Like what? It's the ending. Uh, it was so ridiculous. Like, well, do you, do you know why? I read. Well, I, the, yeah, yeah, the initial ending. The initial ending ended with more of a like romantic plot of Arnold and Vanessa Williams, and the test audiences hated it. So yeah, they were just can, like, no. And you can tell there's still some kind of like remnants of that, like throughout the movie, like yes. building to like a romantic ending. Like yeah. they took away the ending, but they didn't take away like the build up to it. You know, like there's still. Because I kind of forgot, and I was like, oh, does this end with them, like, getting together? And it doesn't, but obviously it did at one point. I wonder, I mean, I, I, maybe I would just chalk it up to the fact that, like, Arnold is bad at romance in movies, <laughs> you know? Like, I feel like, I mean, can you really think of, like, oh, man, that was a time where he really had a lot of chemistry with an actor. It's like, maybe Conan, but, about, like, you know, what about in general, him and, when he tries to have romantic plots, like, he... What about him and, was it Rita Wilson and Jingle All the Way? No, Phil Hartman had. <laughs> well, that's the love triangle. Was stop beating my cookies. Did you Did you guys see where the this movie premiered at? Did you see that? Yeah, yeah the Olympic Village. Yeah, the, it wasn't the only oh, bomb right. at the Olympic Village. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it it premiered at the Olympic Village in the Atlanta. Uh, Summer Games, and it was before the premiere. There was a live performance by the Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> Just the, the most nineties thing, huh? So you're saying between the premiere of this and the Goo Goo Dolls, another thing like this was like the maybe second most tragic thing. <laughs> did you uh, did you see like one of the people they brought in to do to like revise the screenplay? Like, yeah, John Milius. Well, yeah, and- John Milius of Conan the Barbarian. And Frank Darabont. Yeah, Frank Darabont. In. Frank Darabont did that a lot. Oh, maybe he that's where that, that guy from Shawshank, uh, that's his connection. Yeah, F- Frank Darabont's done that a lot. He goes in, He he's kind of like, in the same way that Carrie Fisher would go in and punch up scripts, kind of uncredited, he does yeah. that a lot too. Did you guys see that there that, was... That's a- what, and that's the same thing as John Milius too. Like he, yeah. like for everyone that like he's credited for, there's like a dozen that he's not credited for. Right. Did you guys see that there was apparently a sequel to this in video game form? Yeah, that it was it was called Eraser uh, Turnabout, and it was like a, uh, a a rail shooter with some adventure elements. I did not know that until I was I doing was unaware of that. So I might have to find a playthrough of that, see how the story continues. Yeah, um, maybe get, get a Raspberry Pi. And, and uh, 
<laughs> Corndog will appreciate this. It says that the uh, score that Alan Sylvester did for this is very similar to his score for Judge Dredd. <laughs> Another movie that we covered on the podcast. Yeah. So Big surprise. Uh, Another composer phoning it in. <laughs> Yeah. So we always talk about like, uh, you know, I love to bring up the most like when I see a random thing in the uh, IMDb trivia. This perhaps is my favorite one. It says the novelization of this film <laughs> uh, was published on August 29, 1996, the five year anniversary of Judgment Day from Terminator 2. Judgment Day, the day that Skynet People took over the like Earth. random crap. Right, as if like that was planned, as if they were like, hey, put out the novelization on the five-year anniversary of Judgment Day. Don't think it was. No. Um, yeah, I, I I mean, like, that's all I got. Do you have anything as far as uh, role reversal for this? No, nothing, nothing, nothing notable, at least. No. Nothing notable, okay. No. Um, anything else that anyone has as far as thing they want to bring up before we get to the rating on this? I'm going to just write this thing. I I only have one more, and it's another character actor, and it's a deep cut. And now you telling me that the director of this also directed The Mask, it makes sense. So buckle up, because this one's a deep cut. All right. Um, The computer terminal hacker guy that James Caan makes them find inside Cyrus, where he's like, I can find him. Yeah. Uh, Also in The Mask, he is the guy the dog pees on when the dog puts the mask on. One of, the, one of the henchmen in that movie. Oh, that is, wow. That is a deep cut. That wow. is Somebody a, stop it. A frightening deep cut. <laughs> wow. Uh, and with that, I, I think we're ready to rate this thing. Yeah, let's let's do that. All right. Well, Corndog, as the guest, you get to either go first or nominate one of us to go first. I'll kick this off because I think I'm going to be the most generous with this movie. <laughs> um, again, I saw this, you know, initially, you know, it really, you know, anything, Arnold, guns, explosions, all that fun stuff when I was like 10. So had, you know, uh, a good, you know, kind of nostalgia to it. And like I said, it, you know, and then the the weapons that had kind of inspired in some of the video games I grew up playing up, like this movie's like we've talked about, definitely has its flaws. Uh, a lot of it doesn't make sense. But overall, I have a fun time watching this movie. It's a fun watch. Uh, maybe not the best movie, but I'm going to give it three machine goods. Um, I'll go. I- I'm actually going to go next, and I-, I, I'm right on board with you, Corn Dog. Like this movie is obviously it's not a perfect movie. Like it has issues, but I had a lot of fun watching this, and there's a lot of fun elements. And you got you get the corny one-liners, and I- some of the action sequences are dumb, but like the stuff with the crocodiles in the plane, it was a lot of fun to watch. The guns are cool. I, I don't know. I, I like this movie. I'm going to give it three machine guns as well. Tush? Um, this is a kind of an odd thing because I feel the exact same way. Uh, <laughs> it's, like, it was fun. Like, you know, it, was had, it had some good action. It, had, it was kind of like a time capsule of, like, you know, that period in the 90s. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go three machine guns as well. LPJ. And my he's neighbor's listening. dumb dog. I don't listen, know if you can hear him, but guys. he's giving it three machine This is like a real Sphinx moment for all of us. We just spent the last hour and ten minutes tearing this movie apart. Like, every ounce of this movie we nitpicked and said yeah. it was completely implausible and didn't make sense. But I'm also going to go in and say <laughs> I enjoyed Vanessa Williams in this. I thought she was really good. I thought Schwarzenegger did a good job acting in this compared to some of his other films. I think it was 
I think he was really surprisingly really good in this. Um, and I thought James Conn was good in this. He was kind of over the top and, and a real dirtbag villain, and he played the dirtbag villain well. Um, the plot doesn't make sense. None of the physics in this have any business existing in any medium whatsoever. Like, <laughs> none of it makes any physical sense whatsoever. Um, but you're right. The movie's entertaining. It's got some dumb one-liners. Um, Robert Passarelli's not terrible in this. He's a, he's a good comedic uh, comedic uh, presence in this. He, he, three machine guns. <laughs> wow. What the hell is all wrong with this, guys? Is this the first unanimous you've ever had? With no. no, this is the first Before unanimous we've had where all of us tear the movie apart for an hour. <laughs> I, we forgot That's true. Mention, we forgot to mention that uh, also part of the big conclusion is Robert Passarelli and his like mob uh, relatives like shooting up Russian bad guys too. I think they do something about oh, there's them, that, like, yeah. commies or something too. Oh they, yeah, they, they shoot a bunch of them. But um, yeah, hey, no, nobody I, nobody screws with the union. I, I think I mean, it's what they say. Yeah, that's yep. what they say. They yeah. the I union. mean, some, sometimes a movie can be completely ridiculous, but very entertaining and i think that's what this movie is yeah. like it's yeah, just that's what it is it's just like a very good dumb i mean my i would say i'm sticking with three machine guns my only knock would be like i feel like it was a maybe a little bit longer than yeah. it need to be it's clocking in at basically two hours which seemed maybe a little bit longer than it need to be but other than that yeah i i don't know how everyone i watched it on hbo max yep uh, check it out if you haven't seen it. I would definitely recommend you know giving this one a watch if you're not familiar with it. Yeah. All right. Any uh, any final thoughts? No. Great. No. no just uh, thanks to Tush and uh, Corn Dog for being on. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Anything you guys want to plug? I do have to say, can we? Uh, we should probably have a movie with some Tush in it the next time I'm on. Though <laughs> I feel like I'm on a dry spell well, of Tushes. We, yeah. we are trying to get back to uh having guests pick movies when they come on so next time you're on tush we'll let you pick the movie and you can tailor make it this one with tush in it. it'll be tush heavy it's good well, maybe it'll be um maybe it'll be um his or what, what's it called um uh eastern promises where there's an entire <laughs> naked knife fight well lpj can still veto a movie but still We'll let, we'll let you pick something with Tush in it just for... He's, he's uh, not going to turn down some sweet, sweet Viggo Mortensen. Well, I, I do want to see that movie, but not for the naked knife fight. Which is odd, because... Uh, Very effectively me, done scene. Corndog told me next time he's on, he wants to do Hidalgo. So, I mean, maybe we're having a Viggo Mortensen off, so I don't know. No, no, the only thing I'll say well, is... Maybe we can just like get someone on the internet to cut that those two movies together. So it's just like him riding horses in the desert, and then, boom, naked knife fight. I don't. I don't know about the other two of you. My closing statement would be less Tush when I, I. I always see Tush when Tush is here live. Anytime he gets up, I see Tush. <laughs> I know. I don't feel like your. Oh, nickname, well done, sir. Your, well your done. Your nickname could just be about how much Tush you usually show. So I think it still fits. So, um, no. Thank, thanks again. This was a lot of fun. Uh, LBJ, do you have anything in closing? Nope. Uh, no. Uh, but I do want to say. Um, Check us out every Mondays. We're the Last Action Podcast. You can find us anywhere podcasts are available. Uh, although, realistically, if you're listening to us now, you've found us wherever podcasts are available. Um, you can also check us out on GameZillaMedia.com. If you go to the bottom of the page and click on our Discord link, you can join our Discord, and you can chat with us on Discord uh, and post crazy stuff like weird memes. Um, you can uh, you can hit our hit up our new uh, our new uh, emotes <laughs> that we just got uh, popularized on there. Um, yeah, 
Uh, that's really it. You could get bone jacked. Um, make uh, make suggestions for Tush Heavy movies. Yes, Tush Heavy movies. Let us know. So you know, I'm sure the Tush will have already seen him, but uh, but maybe he's forgotten. He's seen so much Tush. Sometimes it all blends together. It's true. <clears throat> yep. Anyway, um, I don't know. Any any? We're, I think we're good. Joe, you good? I'm good. This was a lot of fun. Like I said, I, I had a lot of fun talking about it with these guys, and uh, yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us. Yep. Thanks for having us. This episode. Well, thanks for having me. I can't speak. All right, Dave, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) This episode of the Last Action Podcast has been terminated. We'll be back. It's the lazy really killing.